Wouldn't it be great if you knew the perfect tool that would help you either save time or learn more, or maybe even both? In this episode, Bonnie and I geek out on the tools we're using to help us get more done and learn lots along the way. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 298. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. And once a month, we normally do a Q&A show the first Monday of the month, and it just turns out that uh, the first Monday of the next month is episode 300. And I'm going to be doing something a little different for episode 300. And so rather than just uh, just skipping it, we thought we'd do something a little bit different for this episode here a few weeks before. And I actually have Bonnie in the studio to join me today. Hello, Bonnie. Hi, Dave. So we're going to tackle something different than we normally do. Usually we uh, respond to questions from the audience, and we will be doing that in future months. So you can send your question over to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. However, this month, what we thought we would do is tackle some tools that we are using that save time and also help us to learn more. And uh, we've done this a little bit in the past, Bonnie, but I don't know if we've ever devoted an entire episode to it. And so I thought it would be fun for us to share with our listening audience, what are some of the tools and services we're using right now that help us to be more efficient, more effective, help us to learn. And uh, I'm curious how you're using some of these. And we've each prepared a list of things that we're using right now that help us to tackle either being more efficient or learning better. And all of these are things we currently use. And those of you who are longtime listeners know that we don't do sponsorships on the show. However, we do have some affiliate relationships uh, that we occasionally talk about. And there's a few here that I'll mention that if you're interested in checking out, uh, for those of you not familiar with how that works, if you follow up with something that's an affiliate relationship uh, through a link through the show, it's the same cost to you. And as I said, all these things are things we use and we recommend strongly. So That said, let's dive right into it, Bonnie. You want to go first and uh, share one of them from your list uh, that you're using now for efficiency or learning? When you talked about the topic for today's show and said tools that save us time and help us learn more, the first thing that came to mind was the time it can take when you're trying to schedule meetings with other people. And there's really two ways that I would divide this out. One is when I'm just trying to schedule a meeting with someone and of course both of us have pretty busy schedules and whoever the person is on the other end also has a busy schedule and and then how do they find a time that works? You can find yourself going back and forth with email a lot, but what I know both you and I use is a tool called Time Trade and that offers up blocks of time, whatever we decide we want, if it's every Thursday from two to five or Tuesday and Thursdays, whatever time blocks we want to offer up, it will present those. I've got these for office hours. So I have during my normal office hours, I have appointments that are 15 minutes long, appointments that are 30 minutes long, some that are an hour, some that are lunch. So that would be different if we were going to meet somewhere for lunch or if it's going to be over the phone or if it's going to be in person. So you can set up these different scenarios and different blocks of time. And it really, really helps minimize that back and forth time. And it's pretty convenient too, that if I ever needed to cancel for some reason, 
I can go in there and cancel and even send them another link that says, gosh, I'm so sorry. This came up. We have to reschedule. Here's a link to find a time that'll work well for you so that you don't have to have this big delay in there. And I really like it a lot. There's one that I I like a lot that a colleague uses called youcanbook.me. And you and I don't recommend things we haven't used before, but I did want to mention that that's one that's had me a little bit tempted because it works very similarly to time trade, but it allows for a little bit more input when the person's scheduling the time for you to add almost like a form that they would fill out. Maybe what, I mean, you can do that a little bit with time trade. You can have one field to, I always have our, my students at the university where I teach indicate, please indicate why you'd like to meet with me so I can make sure I'm prepared for that discussion. But the you can book dot me allows a little bit more form fields and that kind of thing. It looks pretty neat. So that's one scenario. And, and, oh, by the way, let's say that I had that Tuesday from two to five and then I schedule a doctor's appointment from three to four that day. My calendar is syncing back and forth with time trade. So it's not going to present three to four back to that person. So it's talking to my calendar and I don't have to go remember to update it every time. And so it's a, a nice seamless thing where those blocks of time are offered, but it's also looking at my calendar to see if anything else has popped in there. And of course, like you might expect, if some other person schedules from two to three, it's also not going to offer two to three to other people that go up for that same block. So that's one service. Um, I use time trade as well with all our academy members, with uh, podcast interviews, with every professional appointment, coaching appointment I have, and it is seamless. It works really well. Um, there, there's some other services out there, as you mentioned right now. Um, Acuity scheduling is one, and there's three or four others. Schedule ones. Yeah. If I was starting over, I'd probably... Time trade's a little more... The user interface is a little wonky sometimes. If I was starting over, um, I'd probably look at some of the other services. But the great thing is it's one of those rare services that makes it better for you and the other person because they get to choose whatever time works for them. And they only see times in your calendar you've pre-thought that are going to work for you. And it is completely automated. So I love it. And I know people who work in large organizations. You probably have your own system for this. But if you work in a small to medium-sized business or you're on a small team, I think it's a really, really powerful tool because you can customize so many things. And it will send that person who scheduled a time with you a calendar link so they can easily add it to their calendar, but it actually puts it in your calendar. It's There's a syncing tool that runs on your computer that puts it in there. It's pretty neat. And sends you both a reminder the day before. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really just, it's so sleek. for, And it's like, what is it, $50 a year? I think we pay for something like that. It's uh, It's really inexpensive for what it does. The other one I was going to mention, so I mentioned a scenario where you're trying to schedule with another person, but you want to make that situation worse, try to schedule with eight different people. That gets really, really messy with tons of reply all and, oh, I'm going to be out of town that day. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. So the best tool I've ever found for that is has a silly name. It's called Doodle. If you go to doodle.com, they have a free account and you can send through Doodle, you set up and say, okay, we could do Thursday at three, at four, at five, or Friday at 10, 11, 12, as many different scenarios as you want, many different days and time slots on those days. And then with one link, you can send that out to the eight people. And each of the eight people, they don't just pick one time, they pick all the times that they're available. And under the advanced settings, you can even have someone answer, yes, I'm available. No, I'm not available. Or If need be, that's kind of like, oh, that'd be a really bad day for me, but I could do it if you really needed me to. And so Doodle is my go-to source if I'm trying to schedule a, a lot of people together for one time. It works fabulous. 
really, really good. It doesn't sync back to my calendar in any way. So it's not working the same way as what Dave and I described for time trade, but still really excellent tool. If you have more than one person you need to meet with, it's almost always going to be the best solution is to send out a doodle. <laughs> Somebody at my work asked an administrative, could you send out, and I forgot what they, they called it, something wrong. Could you send out a, I don't remember what they called it, but it was a really funny wrong name for doodle. But doodle is a silly name, so it's hard to remember. I was going to mention one other thing about doodle. It's always hard when you start talking about technology because whether or not a technology can do something doesn't mean it's the best tool to use it for. Right. So Doodle has a part of their service called Meet Me or something like that that makes it act like time trade where you could put blocks of time and then people could request that block of time for you. But it's nowhere near as good. I mean, it's it's uncanny how much you want to not use it for that. They're just not up to speed with some of the features. So use Doodle for that scheduling part where you schedule for a bulk of people and then use another service that's specifically designed to do what we talked about earlier. So that's the conclusion of my first one. I'll pass it over to you because I know we've got lots to share today. Yeah, indeed. And uh, and Doodle's free, by the way. I don't remember if we said that, but you, uh, you can use it anywhere. So it's great. Well, they also have a paid plan. But yes, what for our needs, it's probably going to serve your needs, the free plan. The next one that I have, I want to first start out with back how we used to read the newspaper. So many of us, and for me, you know, get the big stack a newspaper and I would instantly take the sports section and set it aside because I'm not a fan of sports and there would be other sections I would set aside and then kind of start digging in. I used to have a live near a little bagel place and go down and get a bagel, cream cheese, some orange juice and go through the newspaper in this way. And it's really remarkable to contrast that with today because we really have the ability to create our own virtual custom newsletters to an extent that is remarkable. I have friends who teach in higher ed. I can subscribe to their blogs, even though they're not syndicated on any newspapers. You know, they're coming into my little custom newspaper. And I even down to the very personal of my dad really enjoys photography and will post a picture on Flickr every day. And I can subscribe to the RSS feed from his photography. So anything that has what's called an RSS feed RSS stands for Real Simple Syndication, and it is really simple to syndicate. What that means is that if you have this central reader, in this case, I use one called Feedly. Feedly is one of the main ones. Google used to have Google Reader, and a lot of people used that. And then when it went away, everybody was, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? A lot of people landed on Feedly. It's a really good reader. But what Feedly does is it takes in all these places you want to subscribe to. Oh, you want the New York Times, but not the whole New York Times. You just want down to the very, very myopic topic that is of most interest to you. I mean, you can drill down in news organizations down to the very, very specific topic. I want obituaries of people from Michigan who live in this. Zip code. I'm, I'm sort of kidding a little bit, but I mean, the level of feeds of specificity is really pretty remarkable. And then Pretty much if somebody has a blog, they have an RSS feed. They may not realize that they do, but that's just kind of the way most websites today are built. And so I subscribe to associations that I belong to or I have particular interest in. I subscribe to a lot of people's blogs, and then I subscribe to a lot of news things. And then some things that are, there's a cartoonist that I just think is particularly funny. She does a lot with Venn diagrams that... It's really funny to me. I don't want to miss one of her cartoons. It's really fun. So lots and lots of things that way. 
So my recommendation is Feedly, although there are other RSS readers, but it's the best one that I found as far as what its free plan offers, etc. And then I like reading on my iPad on an app called Newsify. So it's just talking to Feedly. Feedly is keeping track of what things I've already read and which ones I haven't. If I mark it as read on one device, like on my iPhone, and I go on my computer later, it knows what I've already read and what I haven't read yet. And then the thing I really liked about Newsify is it has a dark mode. And as Dave knows, if I can't sleep at night, it's three in the morning. <laughs> I don't want to have the super shine a spotlight of light in my eyes because that's going to make me not be able to sleep even worse. But if I do that dark mode and I turn it down as low, low, low as it can be, then that'll work to not wake me up too much until I can fall back asleep again. So Feedly and Newsify, a way of having a custom newspaper. There are lots of other readers, what are called RSS readers, that work in conjunction with Feedly or just use the Feedly app. Sometimes there's not even necessary to have a separate app. I would, if you have this brand new to you, start with Feedly, subscribe to a few different services that you like and give it a try and see what it's like to have a totally customized newspaper just for you. The world has really changed on this, that it used to be everyone read the exact same newspaper every morning in every city for the most part. And now we're all have these custom experiences, which is both good. It's really a good thing, I think, but also it does take away some of that shared experience that you know we used to have with everyone who would always read the same news story and all that. So it's uh, it's an exciting way to com- consume information. Um, and you and I have both been doing that for years. I think a related one, I'm going to actually jump ahead in my list here because I think Instapaper really fits in with this as well too. And if I was talking about this in Academy session the other day, so we were talking about just ways to manage um, when we get a new story or not getting distracted online or finding something online that's really helpful. And uh, both of us, Bonnie, get get people who send us really good stories or you know, we find something online. We're like, oh, that's a really good story, but I don't want to take 20 minutes to read that story right now because I'm doing something else or I'm trying to process email or whatever. And so what I've disciplined myself to do is when I find something online, um, I've set up an account at Instapaper. It's instapaper.com and it is free as well. And what you do, if you, I think the best way to use Instapaper is whatever device you commonly use to surf the internet on. So if it's your laptop um, browser, or maybe it's on an, an iPad or a tablet or a phone, um, is you install Instapaper either as an app, if it's a device, or you can install, it has a browser extension on all the popular browsers, Firefox, Chrome, Safari. And I have it installed on my Safari browser. So there's a little button that says Instapaper. And when I get to a web page or an article that's something I want to read or a podcast episode that I hear from someone that I want to share or something, someone sends me a cool video, I just hit the little Instapaper button and then a little flash comes up and it says saved. And it saves it into my queue on Instapaper. And then about once a week, I go into Instapaper and you can either do that on the app or you can do it on their website online. And it pulls the whole list of everything that I have saved that week. And that's actually the way I put together the weekly leadership guides most weeks. So when people email me suggestions or I come across good articles, um, once a week I go through and I look through the list of all the things on Instapaper. And so I'll go through there and that's when I'll do the reading and I'll curate and I'll say, oh, you know, this one's the best one for this or for that. And uh, same thing, that syn- syncs across all the devices. And so if you're looking for a good place just to capture things, and I probably don't even read half of the things I capture, but I, I want to capture it, and then I can go back and look at it later and curate it and decide if that's something I want to share or if I just want to record it in my own library um, or for the folks on the on the 
the membership on the website. So Instapaper is a great resource for that if you're looking to capture things, but you don't want to be distracted as you're doing it. So let me see what else is on my list here, Bonnie. I am going to talk about, I'm going to talk about Blinkist. Blinkist is a really cool service. I first heard about it from one of our Academy members. And the best way I could describe Blinkist is I think a lot of people have heard of those like book summary services where you pay whatever amount a month and you get a, you know, quick version of the book or a popular business book. And Blinkist is similar to that in some ways. It's a web-based service and uh, and they have apps as well, though I haven't even actually installed the app, but I, I signed up for this for a year. And what it is, is it's a, a lot of popular books. You search for the popular book you're looking for in the library. And instead of it being you know eight hours to read the book, they condense it down into a quick like 20 minute read. So it gives you the most essential things that you need to know in order to uh, get the main value of the book. And um, I have to admit, when I first set it up, I was like, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to use this that much because if I'm going to read the book, I really want to read the book and get all the details. And then I tried it a few times and I've actually used it a few times in preparing for guests, uh, although it doesn't have every book in there, but I've, I've used it a few times preparing for guests and it's really helpful. Uh, what I find it most useful for is two things. One is for trying to get the essence, the overview of a model in a book. But secondly, and I've actually used it more for this, of going back to old books that I've I've maybe read five or 10 years ago. I don't necessarily want to read the whole book again, but I want to be reminded of some of the key principles in there, especially if I'm interviewing an author who maybe wrote a book years ago. I, I want to kind of go back and review some of their previous work. And it is really, really great for that. Um, now, they don't have every book. That's the limitation of it. And they don't have a lot of the new books. So, you know, it takes some time for them to obviously put together the summaries. So uh, if a book just came out, it's ch- chances are it's not in Blinkist yet. Um, but I found it to be really helpful. A lot of our Academy members are using Blinkist and it's actually great for also reviewing a book you want to read and seeing if it's going to be really valuable to you. Uh, we do have an affiliate set up for this so you can get access to a 14-day free trial and I think they offer $5 off a membership. It's fairly inexpensive. I think uh, I think I paid 40 or $50 a year for the subscription and I renewed it this year because it was really helping out a lot. So uh, go to coachingforleaders.com slash Blinkist and we'll have a link uh, in the show notes in this week's weekly leadership guide as well. If you're looking for a good system just to remind you of what you've read before, or you're looking for a good way to review books to read. And uh, I think you'll find that it's a, it's a really good system for that of just getting a quick overview on a, on a popular book. All right, let's, uh, let's see what's next on my list here. Oh, let's talk about SaneBox. You and I are both SaneBox users, and I started recently using it. And you've been using it, what, for maybe a year? So what SaneBox is, it's, it's a service, and it integrates and monitors your email. And it creates some new folders in your email account. So let me explain what it does, and we'll kind of talk about some of the cool features of it. So what SaneBox does is it monitor, it connects with your email, and it sorts it for you automatically. So they look at how you respond to emails and what kinds of people you get back to right away and what kind of emails you let sit for a while. And it automatically sets up these folders in your inbox, and it leaves your inbox alone, but it creates folders that say uh, later or... Uh, black hole, or there's a whole bunch of different series of folders that it creates. And what it does is when you pull up your inbox in the morning, which I do now, SaneBox, the service, puts the things in my inbox that are most important, that it's decided are most important for me to see first because they're the people that I tend to respond to very quickly. And then it puts everything else in the Sane Later folder that I don't need to see as quickly because they're probably not as important to me. 
And it is crazy good at being able to figure that out through their algorithms of monitoring. They don't they don't read your email. They just read the headers and who you respond to. So I found it to be a really, really helpful service. And I don't even use all the features. That's the only thing I'm actually using, Bonnie, right now. Um, I know there's features too where you can, if you get an email, for example, you can set up folders where, you know, I don't want to handle this email today, but I want to handle it Monday morning. You can set it up so you drag it into a Monday box and it'll show up in your inbox um, on Monday or on the weekend or whatever time you choose it to show up. And they, I know they have cool systems too where, I haven't tried this yet, where you can, when you send an email out to someone, you can blind carbon copy like two days or three days at their address. And if that person hasn't replied to you in those two or three days, whatever time frame you choose, I think it puts a reminder back in your your inbox. I haven't tried. Have you done this before? I have not tried it, but you are correct that that's it has a little, little way to nudge you back if people haven't replied. It, it, it's one of those services like it sounds a little creepy when you first hear about it because you're like mm, monitoring my inbox, all that. Now that I've tried it and I'm using it, I think I'm probably going to keep using it for a long time. Now, uh, the caveat would be here is if you're in a large organization, you've got an IT department, by all means, <laughs> check with people first before you start hooking up your corporate email to a system that's monitoring it. Um, but if you have, if, like us, if you tend to you know, have a lot of control of your own email accounts, um, I found it to be really helpful of sorting through because when I get a lot of email, all of a sudden it just starts sitting there and I have a hard time like identifying what's important. I got to go through the whole list. Um, Sanebox is really good at doing that for me because it's building the algorithm around my behavior. So if you want to try it out, coachingforleaders.com slash Sanebox is where to go. And I think it'll give you a 14-day free trial to check it out. And um, I think you might like it. Microsoft has something built into their new email programs, part of Office 365 called Clutter. And it does very similar to what Dave just described where it goes, gosh, every time you get this, well, some of it, it just automatically, you know, the, the Talbot's catalog is automatically going in the clutter, you know, and, and you can go into the clutter anytime you want, but it's probably not going to be your most pressing messages. But if something gets put in clutter that doesn't really belong there, you just drag it back over into your inbox and it learns that same thing works with Sanebox too. If Sanebox categorizes something in the wrong place, you just drag it from wherever is the wrong place for it to be into whatever is the wrong place. And it learns every single time you do that. So clutter is kind of a good way to get started if you already have that because it's something that's free. Because the other thing that is happening is you are taking a risk by providing your email credentials to a third party service that's not affiliated with your email. And one of the things that came up in the news, and I know this because of my RSS reading, but in the news lately was a service called Unroll Me. Mm. Unroll Me was a quote unquote free service, but there is no such thing as free in this world that would automatically unsubscribe you from emails that you didn't want to receive. And what lo and behold, found out was that that company is owned by some kind of email marketing company and it was selling. It started out originally with Lyft versus Uber and Uber buying an email list of people who had used the Lyft service and where geographically they had used it to try to, you know, have some competitive advantage over them. No one's doing anything illegal here, by the way. This is all email marketing, our, our information is being bought and sold on a daily basis. But what wasn't transparent enough was that by using this free enroll me service, you were in fact selling your data. 
Now, they came back, they sort of apologized, but also said, well, you know, we didn't use people's identifying information and all of this, but but we really do have to think hard and ask ourselves some serious questions. And both Dave and I have gone in and looked at their privacy policy. And one of the things that we find comforting is that they charge us. I mean, this is a paid service. And how yeah. do, what's their business model? How do they make their money? by making their customers feel really, really safe and secure with providing that and the value that they offer to us for helping us manage our email better. But it wasn't something that Dave or I just hopped on to thoughtlessly. We really did our research, read a lot of articles, let the other experts in the in the technology field try it out first, and then gradually got to the point where we felt comfortable with with that risk that we take. Yeah. And if you're using something that's free, you are the product uh, a lot of the time. So uh, we actually tend to like paying for things. I mean, there's things we use that are free that you know we don't care about if someone gets access to that information or whatever. But uh, we tend to like to pay for things just because for that reason, you know, things are private and more secure uh, and the company's um, utilizing us versus utilizing our data or information or privacy to uh, to get uh, to get access to things. So, uh, Bonnie, do you have one more? Or? I okay. have one, one more. more and I've list. got one more. All right. Good. Go. My one more is not necessarily a tool, although I certainly have many tools that I use to accomplish this feat. But you asked the question, the best tools to save time and learn more. And one of the things that came to mind as I was thinking about this, Dave, is that I am very much an adopter of a practice called capture. And that is that when I commit to you, Dave, to do something. I don't just commit to it mentally and be, oh yeah, I'll get right on that. (laughs) I'll get right on that because our brains were not designed as David Allen, the author of Getting Things Done says, our brains weren't designed to hold ideas. They were designed to have ideas. And if I try to hold everything in my mind that I need to do, I'm going to be letting people down in about a half a second and I've met many people, many people when I meet them in college, you know, they're 18 to 22 and they, oh no, I can hold it all in my head. I know where I'm supposed to be. That may be true at this point in their life, but how much are they missing out on of what they're capable of because they're holding that they need to do this by 3 p.m. next week. And we all know the dangers of doing that because we forget by the time 3 p.m. hits because something came up. And we just can't hold information that well in our minds, as well as the technology or some other tool allows us to do. So I'm a big, big time advocate for capture. What that means is that when I commit to something, in my case, it goes in a task manager. But even the other day, Dave, you came up to my office and I was even just capturing Luke's artwork. He had done really nice, this is our son, he had done some really cool things for Mother's Day. I'm not going to hang on to those forever. That I mean, that's, that's just not going to be a good use of the space in our home is to try to save every single drawing he ever does for me. So I will capture those things digitally. And even if at some point I really wanted to have that hanging somewhere on a wall, you can print out a picture that you took of a drawing that your child made for you. I mean, it's not like you're getting rid of, I mean, you're, you have that memory, but you literally have that image that you could reproduce if you wanted to at some time. So I'm a big fan of capture. This all comes out of David Allen's book and methodology called getting things done. And there's so many advantages to it. I'm less stressed because I have a place for things to be captured and a place for them to go. And if it's something actionable, it's in my task manager and I'm going to have it set up to remind me that this is due or that this is important or that this project has fallen behind or whatever. And then it allows me to be a person with more integrity. When I tell someone that I'm going to do something, 
I'll tell you the vast majority of the time I do it. Not because I'm any better of a person than anyone else, because I don't really remember things that well, but I have a system that I trust and a system that helps me be less stressed and a person with more integrity who does what I say I'm going to do. Huge fan of Capture. I could talk, I mean, for hours and hours about the tools, but I think I'll leave it at that and just say, um, for people in terms of tools, start getting Capture and, and it's got to go in one place and not, not literally everything in one place, but tasks go in a task manager. Things where I have to be at a specific place at a specific time goes in my calendar. Things that are more reference or you know long-term, like my, my virtual file cabinet, in my case, most of that goes into Evernote. Yeah, I use Siri and I will say the words and because <laughs> I, if I say it, everyone's phone will go off, but, uh, and then I'll say, remind me to, and whatever I say next, it automatically puts on my reminders list. And once a day I go through and clear that stuff out. And so that way I don't ever forget anything. So I think the smarter a person you are, the more you struggle with this I've noticed over the years is because some people are really smart and actually can hold a lot in their heads and get really good at doing that over time. But I think in the long run, those are the people that sometimes struggle with this the most because they've been doing that so successfully for so long, but it gets to a point where they just can't hold everything anymore or their memory's not as good as they get older. And so uh, I, I think disciplining yourself to use a system is really, uh, really, really key. All right. So speaking of uh, one last one here, a good system, uh, since, uh, since you're a podcast fan, since you're listening to this show, uh, one app. Now, this one is Mac uh, iOS specific. Uh, it's actually specific to using an iPhone or iPad, is an app called Overcast. Both Bonnie and I use Overcast for all our podcast listening. We don't use the um, standard podcast app on Apple or any of the other podcast apps. And Overcast is a really neat app because it does it does one thing really well. Well, it does a couple things well, but it does one thing especially well. Uh, it has a setting on Overcast. If you use Overcast, your podcast app, where it is called... Uh, is it smart speed, Bonnie? What's the term that they use? Smart speed. And what it does is it takes out natural, some of the natural pauses in conversation between guests in podcasts. Now, when I describe that, you think like, oh, that wouldn't sound good if it took out some of the pauses, but it does it in such a smart way. Like it still leaves pauses there, but it shortens them slightly. So pauses between words and sentences and natural breaks in the conversation and it does it in a way that you almost can't notice it i have i have a hard time even noticing that it's working but it will turn a 40 minute episode of a podcast into 36 or 37 minutes just by removing tiny pauses throughout the time and once you replicate that over listening for six months or a year it saves hours and hours and hours of information of more audio content that you can get through and it is absolutely brilliant at doing it. It is a it is a one of the kind product. And so, um, if you haven't tried out Overcast, I'd suggest it. They have some premium features on their subscription plan, but most of the features now are free on their app. And you can, uh, if you use an iPhone or an iPad, I would definitely recommend Overcast. And it does a lot of cool things as far as allowing you to order playlists. And like, for example, Bonnie, when your show airs, it comes right to the top of my playlist, even if there's other things that are on my queue, because I've set it up for different priorities and these things go in this order and all that. So I definitely suggest Overcast if you're looking for a really cool um, podcast client that uh, also will save you time. One of my favorite features in conjunction with the smart speed is to speed things up to two times the normal limit. And it doesn't make people sound like chipmunks. So it keeps the normal 
inflection and, and the tone of somebody's voice, but they're just talking two times faster. And some people, this would drive nuts to do this, but I, I mean, I will just go through some podcasts are really too slow of a pace for me. And that's part of why I have trouble paying attention because it's not going fast enough for me. And so you kind of get adjusted to it after a while. Some people, I mean, it's not for everyone, but get adjusted to it for a while. And it'll depend on the podcast. There's some that have music in it that I never want to hear the music not the way it was intended to be. So there's, I have a, the thing that ever overcast will let you do is set exactly the audio settings that you want for each podcast or then a normal default setting that the rest of them will play it. It's really fun. The first time someone told me they listened to this podcast at 1.5 speed or two speed, I was like, what? How could you do that <laughs> in my mind? And the irony now is Bonnie, I listen to every podcast at 1.5 or two speed, including this one, just because uh, I can get more listening done in a much shorter period of time. I listen to this one at the normal pace, but you do. Yeah, because I always want to be getting better as a speaker and as a podcast guest and host. Hmm, interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Obviously, lots of links that are coming out of this episode to refer you back to. And the best way to get access to those, if you haven't already done this, is to set up your free membership on the Coaching for Leaders com website. You can visit the main page there, activate your free membership. That will ensure you get the Wednesday weekly leadership guide that'll come this Wednesday with all of those resources in your inbox. In addition, uh, each week I'll send on Wednesday the weekly guide that will give you all of the notes, the resources from every episode, and also the resources I found for you during the week that I think will be helpful to you to listen to other podcast episodes books, videos, articles I found that I think will help you to continue to enhance your leadership leadership skills. Uh, you can get access to that by going to coachingforleaders.com right now. Again, you can access all of that just by going to coachingforleaders.com and activating your free membership. And I welcome, uh, look forward to welcoming you to the free membership community. Almost, uh, almost 4,000 people are now part of the free membership community online. So thank you so much if you've already done that. And uh, speaking of uh, of connecting with you, if you are in the San Francisco Bay Area, listen up. I am going to be doing a meetup for Bay Area listeners coming up uh, in about a month on the evening of Thursday, June 29th at 6 o'clock. I am going to be hosting a meetup for listeners in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, it's going to be a two-hour event. I'll be there live along with a number of other listeners in the Coaching for Leaders community. And I would love to meet you in person and also to introduce you to other Coaching for Leaders listeners in the Bay Area. If you are uh, in the Bay Area that uh, that week or if you uh, are in the Bay Area, I would love to meet you then. Uh, what you'll want to do is go over to coachingforleaders.com slash San Francisco, all one word. That'll get you details about the event on Thursday, June 29th, and uh, it'll also give you a chance to register. The event is free. However, it's limited to 30 people for the venue we have. We'll actually be in South San Francisco for the venue, so it'll be easy for folks to get to regardless of where you are in the Bay Area. Uh, it's limited to 30 people. Again, Thursday, June 29th uh, in San Francisco area. If you're interested, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash San Francisco. I'll also have a link to that in this week's weekly leadership guide. And uh, while you're online, I hope you'll check out some of the past episodes as well that relate to today's conversation. Bonnie and I back 
back on episode number 129, had a long, detailed conversation about how to create a personal knowledge management system. We talked a little bit about that today and some of the tools and resources we use, uh, but we also talked in that episode about the strategy of how we uh, take information in, uh, what we decide to do with it, how we curate it, and then how we ultimately decide to share it with others. We kind of walk through our entire strategy for that and also all the tools we're using to do that. That's episode number 129. So check that out if that's of interest to you. That was one of the most popular episodes actually that year when we aired it. So uh, be a helpful thing to you if you're navigating a lot of data coming at you and email and articles and information. Uh, it's a good system for you to implement. Uh, in addition, Twitter can help you lead. Yes, believe it or not, it can because it can help you to make connections with people and find out what people are talking about in real time. I use Twitter a ton in order to source articles and information I find online that I think will be helpful to you and to share in the weekly leadership guide. In fact, a lot of things originate on Twitter. Uh, episode 242, I talked with Joel Com, who's an expert on Twitter and social media, on how Twitter can help you lead. If you haven't heard that episode, that'll be helpful to you. Again, episode 242. And then finally, uh, speaking of online, social media, geeky stuff, uh, if you haven't heard episode 285, you should absolutely check it out. It is how to vastly improve your LinkedIn profile. I had LinkedIn expert Brenda Bernstein on the show earlier this year, and in episode 285, we talked in detail about how to utilize LinkedIn to make connections with others, how to position yourself well, how to utilize it as a social network. Uh, ever since that episode, I've gotten a ton of uh, connections on LinkedIn of people saying how helpful that conversation was. I've also updated my profile a bunch too. I've still got a little bit to go on it, uh, but episode 285 is an important one for you if you use LinkedIn. Thank you so much to Ashley in Australia and Ginger Bearded Man in New Zealand. Thank you so much to you both for the very kind reviews on iTunes. I really appreciate it. If you've been listening to the show for a bit and would like to leave a review on iTunes, I'm always grateful for that. Go over to coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you next episode. Take care.